You are listening to a true gospel perspective from our Macedonia Baptist Church ministerial staff. We pray that this message will be a true blessing to you. this morning our scripture will be coming from the book of Exodus the second chapter Beginning at verse number one, we'll read through the tenth verse. It says, And there went a man out of the house of Levi, and took to a wife of the daughters of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrush, and dabbled it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river. And his sister stood afar off, and wit what would be done to him. And the doors of Pharaoh came down to wash themselves at herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then she said, then said her sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. From this particular text, I would like to pin for this thought, a courageous mother, a courageous mother. Last week's sermon, we talked about the children of Israel and how God had preserved them through the favor of Joseph because Joseph was now, was then the prince of Egypt. He was second in command. And we see that he invited his father, who was Jacob, and his family to come into Egypt. But understand that Egypt was only supposed to be a holding spot for this nation, that it was not a permanent home for them. Much in the same way, this is not our permanent home. There's a promised land. There's a placed on the other side of here. And so they were not supposed to stay there the, the whole time. 
but they were welcomed into Egypt with open arms. But the text in Exodus, the first chapter, tells us that there arose a pharaoh in Egypt that did not know Joseph, did not regard Joseph. And he began to enslave the children of Israel. Now understand the time in which Joseph had brought the children of Israel into Egypt to the time in which we're speaking now is perhaps a little over 200 years. It's a long time. But now the children of Israel are beginning to get vexed. They're beginning to get burdened down. But ironically now they're beginning to grow as well. Because this Pharaoh begins to say that, wait, these people are getting or increasing more and more every day. And perhaps someone comes and attacks us. These people will join with them, and they'll fight against us. And so there's a political reasoning behind this burden that they're putting on the children of Israel. But there's also an economic value to the children of Israel being in Egypt. Because here they are providing free labor. They're building cities for Egypt. And so they cry out to the Lord. And the Lord answers. They're continuously growing. So the Pharaoh says, let us put even more work on them. Maybe if we can tire them out, they won't be making as many babies. Well, that backfired on him. Because the Bible says that the more that they put on them, the more babies that they had. Won't God do it? Amen, amen, amen. And so Pharaoh just devises a scheme to decrease the population. And his scheme is that he wants to kill every newborn male child that is born to the Israelite women. And he puts an edict out to the handmaids. He said, when the Israelite women have children, I want you to take the male, if it's a male, and cast him into the river. But let the women stay alive. Let the females live. And man, that sounds a little bit ironic today, right? Because it seems like there's an onslaught against black males to snuff them out, to give them no value. And so he devises this plan. And so we see that the children of Israel come into Egypt with the help of Joseph. But in our text, we'll see how God will use five women that will help the cause in preserving a nation that would lead to the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. And understand that God uses women, and he uses them in a special way. He uses them with the gifts in which they have. And my contention is that every woman has the potential to be a good mother. 
Even if you're not a mother yourself, you still have that potential. Because there are a lot of people out here that need motherly love and consideration and compassion. And whether you're a mother or not, you have the capacity to give that consideration, that compassion. The problem is, is that sometimes we have a tendency to get stuck in our own families. And we don't want to reach beyond our household. And there are times that God will call you mothers to reach beyond your household and be that loving, motherly example for someone else. Or I encourage you, just because you're not a mother, you can still mother someone. In the case of these midwives, these midwives did not have children of their own at the time. We'll see that God blessed them with a family. But they got the decree from the king to toss every male into the river. And they refused to do so based upon the privilege that they feared God. And I, I wish mothers would get to that place, right? I, I wish we'd get to a place to where we fear what God said. Mothers, you need to understand that you need to be a God-fearing woman. But I've come to understand and see that we're more afraid of our children than we are afraid of God. Understand that they, they, your, your, your children are your children. They're not your parent. They're not your friend. And you have a way of establishing an authority that God has given you based upon your love for them and their love to you. So they refuse. And so the Pharaoh tells them, why, why, why didn't you follow my edict? Why didn't you follow my command? And so the women, the midwives told them that, you, you, you know these Israelite women, they're lively women. They give birth and they don't, they, don't, they don't let us know. They're alive. Now understand this, that this, this was technically a lie. They knew what they were doing. They feared God, but understand this, that even in spite of their deception, even in spite of their lie, God still blessed them. And understand this, that he blessed them based upon the fact that they feared him. So they refused to do it. So Pharaoh went beyond the, these midwives because these midwives decided to honor God. Understand this, who in the world could take an innocent baby and throw it in a river to drown or be consumed by an alligator? Who, who, who in their right mind could do such a thing? Well, who in their right mind could commit an act of an abortion? Because it's the same thing. We're killing unborn babies. Abortion is real, and it's a real problem in our world and in this nation. And so we have to ask ourselves, what kind of nation are we? Are we a nation that really honors God and honors the things of God? And better yet, what kind of mother are we? What kind of fathers are we? Are we mothers and fathers that honor God? 
And so the edict went out. The edict went out and said, listen, as anybody that sees a male child born of the Israelites, cast him into the river. This was a command by Pharaoh. Now understand, there's a consequences behind not being obedient to what Pharaoh had said. It was only by the grace of God that the midwives had survived. And God blessed them because he said that he gave them homes and families after them. God blessed them for their faithfulness to him. And God wants to bless you as well in your faithfulness to him. And so these midwives were obedient. And they were great women of faith and instrumental in the preservation of the Israelite nation. And so our text picks up with the primary focus of today's message. It says that there was a man of the house of Levi, and he took to him a wife, a daughter of Levi. And this woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. This here, this here, this here, this here is a woman who has gone unnamed in our text. But we know her name from other places in the Bible as being Jochebed. Many of you have perhaps really never heard of her before. But Jochebed is actually the mother of Moses. And her name means God gets the glory. That's what it means. It means that Jehovah gets the glory. Her name is befitting for her character. For Jochebed was a courageous woman. But not only was she just a courageous woman, she was a woman of great faith. Because she did something that was impossible in that time to be able to do. She hid her child for three months. The edict is out there. As soon as they're born, throw them into the river. But Jehokabed refused. And understand this, that there's something about a mother's commitment to her child. There's something about a bonding with your child. Mothers have a tendency to bond with their children. You know, fathers, we go off and we do our headship duty. We go out and we work and we earn the money and we do this and we do that. And do that. Now we see that there, there are two income families in the, in the household, right? So there's a joint uh, coming together when it comes to the man and the woman in raising the children. But at this time, women were the primary caregivers of the children. And that's why in this text we don't see Amron or the, the, her husband in this text. We see her. Because women were the primary caregivers. They were the ones that teach the children, that nurture the children. And that's a good thing because God has put it in all women. And in particular those who are mothers. There's just something inside of them that tells us them to protect their children. There's something inside of them that has this awesome, unconditional love for their children. There's something down inside of them that can see things in their children that other folk can't see. 
Look here, it says that when he was born, she seen that he was a goodly child. In other words, Jehokabed seen something in Moses that perhaps her husband did not see. And understand that every parent sees something in each and every one of their children. Every, we, they, 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 they see things that their dads will not see. There, there, there's many a time that my wife has come to me and told me something about one of my children that I did not see. But it wasn't until by and by that I was able to sit back and watch and pay attention to it that I realized that she was right. Why? Because there's something in mothers. There's something deep down there. And understand that mothers really want to see the good in their children. We really do. They, they, they want to see what's good in their children. But it's our, our job as dads to bring balance. Because here's the other thing when it comes to mothering. Mothers have a tendency to mother their boys and girls a little bit differently. Sometimes they, 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 they make their girls as strong as a brick wall. You can't get through to them. They're independent. They can handle their, their, themselves. But they have a tendency to pamper the boys and make cream puffs out of them. But it takes a strong man to tell her, this is step back. Let me handle this portion of it. I know you got this, but let, 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 let me take care of this. And mothers, please, 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 stop making our job more difficult by pampering these boys. If there is a man that wants to step up and help you and do the right thing and train, teach them the right thing, then let them do it. Because I'm a product of pretty much a single parent home. There's times that my mother did what she had to do to get me to where I am today. My mother sacrificed, great sacrifices. I mean, I'm, I'm, as old as I am, I can still remember some of the simple sacrifices that she made. The time that she made her clothes just so she could buy clothes for us. The time that she didn't eat what we ate. She made sure that we were fed. The time that she cooked and she cleaned for us. The time that she drove us to soccer practice, drove us to football practice with very little sleep. This is, this is the commitment that mothers make. These are the sacrifices that mothers make. And I just want to stop right now and say, mothers, thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice that you make. Thank you for never really complaining about the sacrifices that you make. Thank you for always loving us. Thank you for always having compassion on us. Thank you for always teaching us. So here she sees something in Moses. She said, this is a good child. And that word there for good is the same good that is used in the book of Genesis when God created the earth. He said, it is good. She's seen him, and she determined that there was something. Some, 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 some have it uh, translated that he was a beautiful child. 
that not only was there something internally good about him, but outwardly he was a very beautiful child. And so she hides him for three months. Did you not know that that's how you know that a woman really bonds with her child is after three months? It could take up to three months for a mother to actually, actually bond with her child. So she uses this time to bond with him. But understand that Moses was like any other child. He was a crier. And perhaps that's what happened. Perhaps the crying had become very noticeable. And people had realized that she had had a child. And so after three months of bonding, Three months of, of protecting and hiding him. God gives her a plan. And understand that this is a very strategic plan that God gives her. She said that I, I'm going to obey what the Pharaoh said. And I'm going to place him in the river. But understand before I place him in the river, I'm going to prepare him. And understand that, that all of our children are going to leave out our household and going to go into this river of sin that we call life. And it's the mother's job, the parent's job, to prepare them for the river. It's our job to teach them how to be productive and upright citizens in the world in which they live. It's our job to give them everything that they need to get from earth to heaven. It's our job to make sure that they don't go out and become an embarrassment to us in their lifestyle and how they live their lives. Too many times we send our children out into this world unprepared. But it's our job. Mothers, understand you have a great influence on your children. And even though your children may act like they don't hear what you're saying, trust me, they hear exactly every word you're saying. I know they may turn their heads away and, and stump out of the room, but oh well, you're going to hear what I have to say. Listen here, I don't know how many times when I was out in the world doing my thing that I heard mama's voice in my head. How many times mama's voice stopped me from doing something crazy? Because I heard her. I heard every word that she said. And the Holy Spirit that was in me recalled it and brought it back to my memory. So mama, keep on talking. Keep on teaching. Keep on being an influence in their lives. Because they hear you. They hear you. And it will pay off in the end. So the text says that she made this ark out of branches, almost like a wicker weaving of, of twigs together. And she took some tar and she lined the, the ark with tar, the outside with tar. This was to prevent the ark from sinking. And so when it was finished, she took the baby Moses, three months old. She placed him in the ark, covered it up, went down to the river, and placed him, just like Pharaoh said, in the river. Now understand, that's courage. Because what mother will let her three-month-old child go into the vulnerable waters of the Nile River, 
Did you not know that the Nile River is infested with alligator or crocodiles? They are some of the most deadliest creatures of that region is the Nile crocodile. And Moses would have made a nice little snack for some crocodile. But she understands that if she keeps him to herself, there's a potential that he could get in the river unprepared. So her whole thinking was that, let me prepare him and place him in the river myself. And that she did. Jehokabed. God is glory. Places her child in the river. And then she dispatches his sister Miriam. Another example. Miriam is perhaps 10, 12 years old at this time. She tells her, she dispatches her to watch and to see what would happen to the baby. And so Miriam positions herself. And just like Jehokabed, her mother, Miriam's paternal instincts kick in. Even though she has no children, she's still watching over her brother as if she was his mother. She makes sure that he gets to the destination in which Jehokabed had set for him. And understand that most of us we need to understand that it's our job to direct our children in the area in which they should go. Does not, not always mean that they're going to go in that direction. Does not mean that they're going to always obey the things that we, but we need to set them on a course in the right direction. And that's exactly what she did. She dispatched her daughter. And understand, Miriam is another one, a great woman in the Bible. For it was Miriam that led the women in praise. She was a worshiper. She was a praiser. She was a prophetess. And she led the women. But she also watched over Moses. And so, at that particular time when it was time for Pharaoh's daughter to go down and to cleanse herself in the Nile River, this was, this was a spiritual cleansing that they were doing. It was a ritual cleansing. It was not anything to do with hygiene. It was ritual. She goes to cleanse herself. She sees this ark. And she sends her handmaid and says, bring the ark to me. And when, she brings, when they bring it to her and she opens up, she sees this beautiful boy. And she instantly falls in love with him. Because she said, the Bible said that she has compassion on him. She has this instant attraction to this baby boy. And so she asks, this must be one of the Israelites' women, one of the Hebrewites' women's baby. And there we see Miriam once again step to the forefront and ask her, say, we know that you can't nurse her, this child on your own. Would you like for me to go and get an Israelite woman to nurture him? And Pharaoh's daughter says, yes. And here's the way God works this thing out. Because they go back and they get Jehokabed's, his mother, to come and nurse him and to get him to a place to where he can go into Pharaoh's daughter's household. 
And he said, listen, I'm going to pay you to come and nurse your child. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here we are, we're in a situation to where you're worried about your son being thrown into a river. And you're praying and asking God for an answer. And even in praying and asking God for an answer, God has already worked the situation out. So not only will you be able to keep your son, you're going to get paid to keep him. And so they paid her this wage to keep her own son. And understand that this was, this was critical because Moses is the writer of the first five books of the Bible. And it was by Jehoshaphat's teaching that he learned everything that he had. Because up until this point, everything was just orally communicated. So she had an opportunity to let him know about his history. And therefore, he's able to write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy based upon what his mother has told him. In much of the same way, mothers, there's a story that's being written about you. And it's being written by you, by, by, by your children, and what they say about you. Will your children stand up like Proverbs 31 and say, and call you blessed? There's a story that's being written by how and the decisions that you make concerning your children. How much do you do for your children? And here's the other thing. How much do you do for your adult children? A lot of times we seem to think we stop being parents after they turn 18. But my children will always be my children. I don't care how old they get. I will always be accountable for my children. I will always be accountable to tell them the right things. And mothers, you have a powerful influence. A powerful influence if you would just use it. A Jehokabed woman is that one that understands that there is a tough decisions that have to be made. And sometimes you don't really understand that until you find yourself all alone. Nobody but you and God. You have no other direction to go from. You have to depend upon God to teach you how to raise children, to teach you how to keep children on the right path. Because we don't instinctively know that. There's some decisions that you're going to make that are going to be difficult decisions, mothers. There's going to be some time that you're going to have to go against your emotions and say, no, this is not good for you. There's going to be some times that you're going to be lonely in the decisions that you make. But you have that type of influence. Despite what they say, mothers always love your children, always commit to your children. Now to your children. You need to make a, a fuss over your mother, especially if she's still living. You need to make a fuss over her every day of your life. You need to honor her. Listen here, not just in words, but in how you live your life. There's nothing that honors a mother more so than you living a productive life, a God-fearing life. 
If you just live according to God's word in which he's poured into you, your mother will be pleased with it. Because every mother's desire is that their child see heaven. So honor her. Give to her. Bless her. Never miss an opportunity to be a blessing to her. All the time that she cooked for you. All the time that she wiped your snotty nose. All the time that she went without that you might have. All of the parent-teacher conference that she was embarrassed in because you weren't acting right. Thank her for it. Honor her for it. Because she is a virtuous woman. She is a woman that deserves all the honor that we can give her. Jesus honored his mother. He honored her. Because it was at Calvary that he provided for her. He realized that he was no longer going to be there to care for her. And so he told John, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. Because he realized that the mother's influence had been great in his life. You see that Jesus has more dialogue with his mother than any other of his family members. Why? Because his mother was important. He came down here through her womb. It was through her birth that he was born into this world, that he lied, laid in a manger and was wrapped in swaddling clothes. It was through her. It was Mary, the one that was there at the birth. And she watched him as he grew and he waxed well with man and God. She witnessed him how he went through and healed the sick and raised the dead. She was there. She loved him. He loved her. And it pained her when they took him to that cross. Only a mother could feel the pain that Mary felt as they beat her son with the cat and nine tail. As they spat upon him and they hit him in his face and said, prophesy, who hit me? Mary was right there. Mary never abandoned her son. She was right there when all of the other disciples ran off and abandoned him. Mary was right there. And there she is standing at the foot of the cross. Her heart is breaking. Perhaps she really don't understand what's going on. As her son is being crucified for all of our sin, it's because of him that all of us can enjoy eternal life. It's what he did upon that cross. He died, hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. He died on that Friday night with his mother watching. They took him off the, that cross, put him in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose with all power in his hand. It's Jesus. It's really all about him. And he's the one that teaches mother how to be a mother. He puts what's in the, inside of a mother there that she might be able to be a mother because of Jesus Christ. We'll see him again because he's making intercessions for us. 
He sits at the right-hand side of God, and he's praying for us. And he's praying for you, mother. He's praying for your strength, for your guidance, because he is the giver of life. Because of him, that we all live and have a right to the tree of life. We thank and praise God for the gift of eternal life. We thank God for the giver of life. Life comes through the mother. It's the birth canal that we all came through. There's not a person in here that did not need the access of a mother to get here. There's not a person in here that have not benefited from the, the prayers and the blessings of a mother. Motherhood is becoming a lost art. We got to continue, mothers. Don't get discouraged. Be encouraged. Because this is a courageous mother that will get us to heaven. Amen. Please stand to your We hope you enjoyed this message today. And we pray that it was a true blessing to you. If you are interested in learning more about Pastor Charles D. Twyman and the Macedonia Baptist Church family, you can reach out to us at www.mbcdet.com. Thank you, and God bless you.